Hello, friends, and welcome to the Point of Hope podcast. My name is Steve, and this broadcast is brought to you by the Point of Hope Apostolic Church in Indianapolis, Indiana, where brighter days begin. In today's episode, we are going to explore the topic of pleading the blood, and we'll be teaching towards some understanding based on the Word of God. So joining us in our study today is the senior minister at Point of Hope, Mr. Stephen Gossage. Pastor, welcome. What can you tell us about the blood? And uh, we welcome you for joining us today. Well, thank you again. I love being here, and I love this podcast, and I pray that it's a blessing to everybody that listens. And whether it crosses your theological swords, I hope that maybe you at least listen to another perspective that maybe persuade you or give you some kind of strength in your position. Sure. I don't know, whatever it is, but we just want you to engage and listen and enjoy. And we're going to talk about the blood today, yeah, and I'm going to the throw blood. the ball right back at you and and uh, start us off. And I am not fair catching this thing. I'm grabbing it. We are going to run. Let's go. Because the blood of Jesus is an important topic. So, And, and I will form the wedge for you. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> Thank you. Sure. Now, I don't know, you know who comprises our listening audience, but if you have ever attended a Pentecostal church, if you've mm. ever been to a Pentecostal service, uh, chances are you have heard, you have used— And I bet you enjoyed it, I too. I bet you did. Uh, but you have heard the phrase, I plead the blood. Yes. Now, some people might ask— you know, what is that? What does that mean? They may not know. So I just wanted to talk about that a little bit. We recently had a service where one of the ministers here said, you know, in the old days, every song we sang was about the blood and yes. everything was about the blood. And it, you know, I looked over to my nine-year-old and I thought, does this kid know what pleading the blood is? Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I pleaded over him, but mm-hmm. as he's, is he receiving it? So, right. you know, the Passover in the Old Testament scripture is the focal point of understanding the power of the blood. Mm-hmm. So all sacrifices that proceeded afterwards under the Mosaic system were founded on this principle, that through the blood of animal sacrifice, there would be deliverance, there would be protection, there would be a God-provided future. And this awesome forecasting picture was fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Now, Jesus hadn't even begun his ministry when he appeared in the the water of the Jordan River to be baptized. And it was John the Baptist who announced of him, saying, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Now that's John one twenty nine. Now everybody who was there, they understood the implication of what he was saying, but it was difficult for them to come to terms with the idea that that you've got the Messiah, who is the king, but he's also the sacrifice who is the lamb. Mm-hmm. So John was raising a signal not only to to that day, but to to all in history. So when we deal with the subject of blood too, you know, we're not dealing with some gory residue of ancient human superstition. When when we talk about the blood of Jesus, we are dealing with that which the scriptures refer to as precious for its exceptional value to address man's sin, mm-hmm. man's need for a savior, man's failure, and man's bondage. Its value is related to the immeasurable price of human liberty from the bondage of spiritual torment. That's good. So the blood of Jesus is the central justified factor in in all of that human order. And so central is it that the Bible says that Jesus' blood will be the theme of our praise forever and ever and ever. So this concept of pleading the blood— So it has its roots in Pentecostal tradition. So come back with me. 
it's a tradition that's necessary and important to continue upholding. You know, we, we, we've talked privately and, and maybe through our time here about the Azusa Street and, and the revival there. And there are stories of, of people coming to receive prayer, to receive healing. And there was a, a gentleman there named William J. Seymour. Yes. And he was a, a one-eyed African-American man. He was leading that Azusa Street revival, and he would plead the blood yes. over the sick. And they were healed. Yes. And they would they would receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit uh-huh. with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Mm-hmm. Now, when we're talking about pleading the blood. Now, that just, just for clarification, sure. that is the onset of the Latter-day revival yes. outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Yes. Yes. So when we talk about pleading the blood, we we aren't talking about begging God to right. do something. Right. Pleading the blood it should not be considered a a desperation exercise. Mm-hmm. God has not called us to come begging before him. Uh, m- many were raised in an environment where they maybe hear the words, Father God, keep them under the blood of Jesus, or Lord, we cover this situation with the blood of Jesus. And even before it was understood by young or new believers, we believed in the power of the blood yes. because we believed in Jesus and that the cross was the instrument of redemption which broke the power of hell. Yes. So pleading the blood of Jesus, it's not some type of superstitious application of a magical formula of words. You know, it's a spiritual dynamic that is being applied. The the power of the blood of Jesus is greater than both the energy in our own humanity and that of our adversary. Amen. And the power that saves, the power that saves is also the power that releases. Yes. It's the power that delivers. It neutralizes the demons of hell and the weakness of this flesh. And the appropriation of the power of the blood in tough situations is intended for all of us to know and to understand and to make use of. Now, it's important that we understand the reason for the words that we use. Um, You know, you're big on not having ritual, not yeah. having a bunch of iconography, not having, right. not just going through the motions. You right. know, we had a conversation once because I had a family member who said, well, how can we never take communion at your church? You know, cause I came from this church where we do it every Sunday during the tight five minute song at the end. And then, and I said, well, the, if, if we do it all the time and it's just an exercise that we go through, then we're just doing it to do right. it. Right, and the wine is back in the pastor's office. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's back, it's back in his desk. Yeah, <laughs> back in the refrigerator. <laughs> Sorry, but so that's why it's important that we understand the reason for the words. Because right, if um, we're afraid that one of two things are going to happen, either what we're going to say is become a superstitious exercise in which we're depending on the words mm-hmm. rather right. than right. the understanding that gives the words their power. Or some people won't use the words related to the blood of Jesus because they don't understand the spiritual dynamic, and it's going to leave them without a resource that we need. So when we plead the blood of Jesus, it's not it's it's not a statement of unbelief or fear. Pleading the blood activates yes. what happened through the blood of Jesus on the cross. Right. It's asking God to provide what Jesus' blood has already purchased. Right. Right? It's a statement of faith about what happened at Calvary. It's an, it's, an, uh, it's an invocation 
of so what does that mean? Well, it's you're you're invoking is the is the primary word. You're invoking the power that's in the blood. You're 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 not pleading as you said. You're not pleading as in it's a it's a begging. You're right. you're you're standing upon it. You're claiming the power of the blood that this is in this moment in whatever prayer that you're praying for. Yeah, it's already been given to us. Right, and it's there's like we have to turn it on in a sense. Right, ex- exactly. It's uh, it's the the there's power in the blood. Yes. Okay, we sing about that. There's power in the blood. Um. But there's not just not a song. It's something that is really true, and that it is something that we invoke and we plead. What comes from that? Like if somebody needs a healing, yes, we know that in the book of Isaiah it talks about being healed by his stripes were healed. Mm. So we plead the blood there. Leviticus chapter seventeen verses eleven says, "There's life in the blood." And so we know we pray the blood, we we plead the blood over a situation, and that's basically it's, you know, the blood is something that saves us. Yes. It covers our sin, as you're getting to. And so when we invoke the blood, we're invoking the power that it was used not only in the Bible and in our lives, but in the, the situation. It's able to cover. It's able to heal. Mm-hmm. It's able to deliver. It's able yep. to break the chains. So we know that there's power in the blood. We know we're also invoking the power that's in the blood to this situation. And that's what you're saying, even in the Old Testament. Sure. And you're given the the uh, the examples. So continue. That's good stuff. Yeah. So let's look at the origin of that. Let's look at Passover. You know, mm. most of us yes. are familiar with the story of Israel's deliverance from the last plague of Egypt, right. in which the firstborn of every family was was doomed to die. Now, the Israelites were instructed by God to to place the blood of a lamb mm-hmm. on their doorposts and lintels, mm-hmm. so that the plague of His judgment would pass over their right. houses. Now, Exodus 12, 13, and 14 says, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the house which ye are. Mm-hmm. And when I see the blood, I will pass, pass over, over you, you. Yes. and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. So this practice of applying the blood goes all the way back to the Old Testament. You know, in the book of Exodus, we see the blood administered as a sign of protection. Yes. So when the Israelites apply the blood of an animal to the doorpost of their homes as protection against the plague, God promised to pass over them when yes. he saw that blood. In that, yes, in that particular instance, yes. yes. So the blood provided protection. Now, with regard to the plagues, God was not dealing vindictively. He was dealing redemptively. Very good, yes. He was seeking to bring two million people out of slavery. So the Lord's directive was to take a lamb into the house. You're going to take it in there for four days, and on the 10th of of this first month, each family or house, they were going to take that lamb, and the lamb was going to live with that family for four days until the Passover. So God was teaching a lesson that there is a high and painful price in order for redemption to take place. The blood had to be drained from the lamb, had to be put in a basin, and then with a brush of reeds, the, the slapping of the blood was applied upon the side post and on the lintel overhead, right? No one on that day could have imagined that it was more than a covering over the door as it dripped down, right? Right. Mm-hmm. But we can see from this picture of the cross 
that mm. it was the ultimate redemption. Yes. The Lord was providing a way. Yes. Not only for Israel's protection on that occasion, but also for the ultimate protection of all humankind from the judgment of death that is upon everyone unless we come under the protective covering of the blood. Yes. And to typologically speak, as you're that's what you're doing. Yes. To talk about that covering and the doorpost and lentils typologically parallel, as it were, maybe I just did a double positive or double <laughs> negative on English there, but is that the lentils, the door, is the entryway to the home, much like the heart is to your soul. Yes. And so as the blood is, is applied to the proverbial heart, it protects your soul, as yes. it were. And so that covering is still happening even today for the purpose of drawing them out of their Egypt, our spiritual Egypt, into a land of Canaan, promised land, heaven. So yes, yes, this is good stuff and it's solid. And I hope that people can really grasp a hold of what you're saying because it's very important. So by the blood of the lamb, there came the breaking of the yoke of of the Pharaoh's strength to retain them. Right. And God's covenant people were released from that bondage literally overnight. Now it was a miracle by every measure. And it's become a central point of worship to this Mm -hmm. day in the Jewish tradition still. Mm -hmm. Now the Lord makes the Passover an important beginning point. Now, in Exodus 12 and 2, we read, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. So he's saying that what happens through this blood is going to open the door to a new day for you. Like Israel, you you may be right now at what seems to be the end of your own hope, the end of your own strength, but through the power of the blood, there comes the promise to you just as it came to Israel so long ago. This will be the beginning of days to you. And in addition to protection and deliverance, there's fresh hope in that blood. Now, as the blood was put over the door, it was a testimony that there was a place of safety for for anybody who wanted to come in from the circle of death. Now, the record of Scripture is that there were some Egyptians who did. Some Egyptians came to the Jewish households. They saw the power of the God who had already visited fierce judgments upon the land, and they believed that he was the God of all, and they went into those Jewish households for yes. protection. So how is the blood, as it's, as it's expressed in your home, a witness Is there a different mood and atmosphere in in your house than that of the world? Now, I'm not talking about religious pictures on the wall. I'm not talking about that picture of white Jesus that you got in your kitchen. But I'm talking about something that people can sense of the spirit of the living God because Mm -hmm. the blood of Jesus covers your household. It provides a witness that invites them out of that circle of death and into his safety. Mm -hmm. You know, for Israel, there had to have been a risk of putting blood all over the outside of their doors. I mean, just imagine what the mockers might have said. You know, today our world has no more value than Pharaoh had for the things that fill God's people with hope or faith or things that release them unto life. We are not people who simply make recitations of creeds. We're people who've tasted of a power, Yes. right? And that power, having come into our lives, is to, to penetrate our homes, It's the power of the blood that protects, that delivers, that opens that new day and becomes a witness and an invitation to others. Yes. Amen. Amen to that. Now, when we look at the cross, 
in the fact that Jesus' blood was shed for us. His blood was not spilled merely for the covering of sin, but for the remission of it. Through salvation, the blood is applied to our lives. Jesus built the bridge between heaven and earth with three nails and two boards. He became the way for mankind to to pass from the degradation of sin to the glory of heaven. Jesus made it possible to go from rejection to redemption. So pleading the blood tells the devil that that we are the children of God. It's it's like putting up a a no trespassing sign that says you can't come in here. You don't have any authority here. That's right. Every aspect of our lives needs to be covered in the blood. That's right. It's the counteragent. It's the antidote to all that Satan tries to throw at us. Not only does he tremble at the name of Jesus, but he is afraid of the blood of Jesus as well. Yes, very good. So the blood of Jesus makes it possible for us to defeat the devil on every front. Yeah, and I was thinking as you were talking, uh, I was thinking about um, another story. Yeah. Similar to what you're saying about a, a how it covers and protects as he's drawing you out. Sure. A story of Rahab, mm. the harlot. Oh, yeah. When the um, the Israelites were, were going conquesting through Canaan, and how that God was bringing them to Jericho, and he, and um, there's spies that came, sure. two spies that were spying out the land. They made it into Jericho, and and uh, Rahab, of course, Israel, the Israelites had already had a couple notable victories, and Rahab had heard about the ex, the exploits of God's people, and when she identified who they were, she being a harlot, in other words, and I'm. I'm <laughs> Um, paraphrasing, but she said, I'm looking for a change. Sure. And so here you go. Here is uh, these two witnesses, spies, as it were, mm-hmm. that told her, here's what we're going to do, is that when we leave, we're going to, yeah, we're, we're coming back, we and are. the armies are coming. Mm-hmm. They said, if you would take this red scarf, as it were, red line, garment, whatever you want to say, put it out in the window, and then while we're in other words, blowing the doors off Jericho here, everybody that's in this house that has this red garment hanging from the window will be safe, will be in an ark of safety. Well, that sounds familiar. Yes, doesn't it, though? Hmm. But everybody outside, they're going to be destroyed. And, of course, we know the story. You can read that in in the book of, of Joshua how that they did come back. They marched on the, the city seven times. The walls came tumbling down in Jericho, and they went through and destroyed the the whole city, except for everybody, and that meant everybody, whoever she could squeeze into the house. <laughs> it's a crowded spot, I'm sure. I'm sure that she told her family about yep. what it was, and, and they were saved. But everybody that was inside that was covered by the red, representative, typologically, of the blood, Mm -hmm. the blood protected. When you have it in your life, you're covered and you're protected. But if you don't have it, you're subject to judgment. And so Rahab is another example that's very parallel with what you said with regards to the Passover, etc., Now, remember, it's Revelation 12, 11 that says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Yes. And by the word, word of, of the testimony. testimony. Yes. 
So no matter the circumstance, the disease, the temptation, the addiction, there's power in the blood of Jesus Amen. to deliver us and set us free. Yes. And as we all know, these great spiritual battles, they're, they're fought in your mind. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when a person becomes born again, their spirit is made new, but their mind is not. Right. You know, that's why we have to continually renew our minds with the yes. Word of God. Yes. The power that's in the blood is activated when we speak Scripture. So therefore, pleading the blood needs to be an active part of our confession and yes. our prayer. Yes. You know, when the enemy tries to attack with thoughts of fear and torment, pleading the blood of Jesus over our minds can bring you peace. Yes. Colossians 1 and 20 says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. So when Satan brings up guilt, when Satan is in your ear whispering shame or condemnation from the past, we just need to plead the blood and say, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. The blood of Jesus has cleansed me. I am a new creation in Christ, and my past life and my sins, they no longer exist. Amen. So when we understand how to use the power of the blood, we can apply it to every single thing in our lives. Yes. We can apply it to our homes, to our families, to our finances. You know, the blood that ran down the cross and onto the ground is still flowing today. It never changes. It never loses its power. Never, and never. we can depend on it in any situation. Yes, amen. I love the the lines and the song. one of the songs that we sing here, and I am going to spare you all and not <laughs> sing it today, but it's the blood that gives me strength. Yes. From day to day, it will never, never lose, lose its, its power. power. Yes. From the highest mountain to the lowest mountain. Yes, yes, good stuff. Mm, mm, mm. And I know that it works. Because it saved me. Yes. And I know that it works because it has healed me. It has restored me. You know, there is an abiding presence in the power of the blood of Jesus all the time in every situation in which we apply it. We are not peddling in the realm of superstition. We are functioning in the realm of the supernatural. Mm -hmm. Because it's invisible, it ought not to be seen as anything less real than the power that moved through Egypt in the night. Right. You know, when the host of Egyptians were slain. That next day, there was nobody who thought the people who put the blood on their houses were just superstitious, crazy people. Right. Not at that point. They knew those people had penetrated a realm of divine power (laughs) that had insulated them from the forces of darkness and death in the land. And that's what we mean by pleading the blood. Pleading the blood of Jesus is a heaven-given resource, and it grants us a license to stand in dominion over the works of hell. Yes. We can use it in the same sense that an attorney who stands before the court makes a plea on legal grounds based on a body of evidence. So when you and I come before the court in heaven, and in every circumstance that we face in life, we have the legal right through the blood of Jesus to enter a plea Yes. And to lay claim to the evidence, which is his slain body and his shed blood, which is proven to neutralize the power of sin, the power of affliction, the power of death, and the power of hell. It is to that fact that I make my plea when I plead the blood of Jesus, whether it's a demonic attack, a physical attack, a personal attack, condemnation, or even the temptation to sin. Yes. You know, there is no circumstance in life to which the blood of Jesus isn't key 
to God's releasing, protecting, yes. resolving power, whether it's removing the potential of confusion, overcoming the impact of rebellion, breaking the torment of fear or shame of the past. When we plead the blood, we are to do so in the understanding sense with the firepower of the supernatural and on the basis that the body of evidence that through the blood of Jesus Christ that all hell has been broken in its power, that all sin has been neutralized, that the power of death is overwhelmed, and every human need paid for once and for all. That's amazing. And Peter. that is pleading the blood. That's, that, that's very good. That's good stuff. I've often asked myself the question, what's the most powerful aspect of Calvary? Mm, that is tough. Was it the fact that Jesus was born to die and that he went to the cross and the act of nailing him to the cross, mm. was that what saved us? I don't think so, don't although think so. it's part of it. And it is powerful. Was it the fact that when he said it is finished and his body, after being wrecked, and he died, and the Holy Ghost was given. Was that the most powerful aspect of Calvary? I don't think so, but it's part of it. It is part of it. Was Or was it the blood when it shed and probably dripped down that precious body of Jesus, and it finally hit the earth? Mm. The Bible says, and, and it you can read it, when the blood was shed and when the giving the 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 passing it is finished of Jesus, the Bible says that the earth shook. So was it any of those by itself? No. But was it all of that? Yes. And it was when the blood hit the ground, if I could be dramatic. Sure. It hit it and the blood shook. And when he said it is finished, the Bible says the veil of the temple is rent in twain. And, and the, I the, imagine it got dark and everything shook. And in that moment, everyone who was there was like, oh boy. Yes, and in fact, the Roman uh, centurions that were nearby second guessed what they had just done. And that's what the blood will do. It'll bring you clarity. It'll shake your world. Hello. It'll it'll bring you deliverance. And it'll bring it'll tear down anything that separates you and God. And that's why you don't need a priest. You don't need a a go between between you and the Shekinah glory of God in the holiest of holies. You've been made nigh by the Bible says by the blood of Christ. Yes, amen. So it is the blood that saves us. Yes. It is the blood that keeps us. It's the blood that strengthens us. And it's the blood that we can utilize for anything that comes against us. Yeah, and I can tell you that I've mentioned this before, coming out of a big botch church for almost 10 years where I never heard about the Holy Ghost. I certainly never heard about the blood of Jesus. Crazy. And I don't know if it's because they think it's not palatable or... It's it's such a pillar. <laughs> well, it's we know this. I mean, to tell in this generation, this culture, okay, when we talk about killing animals to shed their blood, what they did in the Old Testament to cover sin, which was a temporary sacrifice. Which is why they had to do it over and over and over. Right, daily. Which actually started back in the garden when God made them the covering. Right. Right, exactly. You can find it all the way back. Then. All the way back. 
Yeah, so there's context there. Uh, but, I mean, nobody wants to talk about that. The blood is not clean. People want a clean Christianity. They want to be able, without any accountability is what I'm trying to say. And the blood is, is bloody. It's nasty. It's, and I say nasty, I mean, it gets in your clothes and it gets on you. And I mean, it's not, it's, you know, it's just not clean as it were. But well, and there's evidence when you're covered in blood. Well, okay, yeah, that's a good way of articulating that. Yeah. And so when you see a church that doesn't talk about the blood, it, it it's anathema to their thinking. They don't want to think of Jesus being on the cross. In fact, there's a whole kitschy industry that sells crosses that you can wear around your neck that doesn't have Jesus on the cross because they don't want to think about that anymore. That's what the cross was. Mm-hmm. That's what it happened was the blood. And I don't want to digress off your point, but... The blood is what we need. We don't need less blood. We need more blood, talking about the blood, singing about the blood. And that's mm-hmm. what the, the minister was talking about. People want to get rid of the blood, but it's the blood that saves us. Yeah, and I think where I was going with that, too, was if you're in a church that you're not hearing that, then you should you should pray that God takes you to a place where you can get revelation of of why that's important, right? And then go to a, pray that God sends you a preacher to preach to you why that's important. Yeah, the blood is everything. It's not just something; it's everything, it's everything, yeah. and it's an answer for everything in your life. Yes. So that's all the time we have for this episode today. I pray that this was a blessing for you, and that you will join us as we continue to study God's word. You can find this and all of our episodes at pohpodcast.com along with links to your favorite streaming platforms or search for Point of Hope Podcast on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe, enable notifications, and share, share, share Yes, so that you won't miss a single episode. If you have any questions, comments, uh, you want to complain, go ahead and send them to pohcontent at gmail.com and we will respond (laughs) on this very program. Using your name. I thought you were going to say P-O-H, we don't care. (laughs) Yeah. Address it to the brick wall behind me. (laughs) Right. Hey, and if you're praying, and if you're praying, be sure to use the blood. See what happens. See what happens. It'll change your life. Amen. So thank you, Pastor, for leading us today, and thank you all for listening. You know, I wrote the lyrics to that song. My buddy Sean wrote the music. A little side note for you guys there. Because love will find a way, and love is Jesus. Look through the symbolism. (laughs) I don't know all the words. That's okay. Until next time, listeners, thank you.